morning, Chicago Bible Fellowship. Good morning. How's everybody? You know, it's been a while since I've been up here. I feel a little, little rusty. But thank God we serve a God that never gets rusty. Amen. He's always sharp. And I'd ask that you stand as the word of God is read this morning. As usual, I'll be reading from the first chapter of John, starting at verse 35. And the text reads as follows. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. And they followed Jesus. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, I'm always thankful for your grace and your mercy, the privilege to handle your word this morning. I pray that you would cover any of my inadequacies, Lord, my weaknesses. Lord, that you would increase while I decrease. May your word minister to your people today and you be glorified in Jesus' name. Let the church say, Amen. 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 You may be seated. I was speaking with a young man recently and I asked him how school was going. And the young man began to tell me about all the friends that, that he had met at school. And I was like, man, you just met these people and you're already bestowing the label of friend on them. So you might want to be careful with that. You might want to be careful because there's a lot of pitfalls that you can fall into by choosing the wrong friends. And if you were of age back in the, the 80s, um, you remember a group called Houdini. And they had a song that was called Friends. Oh, yeah. Now, I'm going to recite that, so a portion of that song this morning. And so it went something like this. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends, ones we can depend on. Friends, how many of us have them? Before we go any further, let's be friends is a word we use every day. Most of us use it in the wrong way. Now, you can look the word up again and again, but the dictionary doesn't know the meaning of friends. And if you ask me, you know I couldn't be much help because friends is someone you judge for yourself. Some are okay and they treat you real cool. Some take your kindness for being a fool. You like to be with some because they're funny. Others come around when they need some money. Some you grew up with around the way, and you still are fun of this very day. Homeboy through the summer, winter, spring, and the fall. Then it's just something which we never do at all. This list goes on again and again because these are the people that we call friends. Yeah, I know some of y'all probably clutching your pearls like, no, he just didn't. Stand in the pulpit. And recite a Houdini song. Pastor shaking his head over there. But Jesus will meet you. He's going to meet me too. I, I thought that song was a perfect example of the pitfalls that we fall into when we choose the wrong friends. And the disappointment that we experience as a result of that. And I look at true friendship. Uh, uh, it's a blessing from the Lord. Hallelujah. Friends that come into your life, it's orchestrated by the Lord, and this is a blessing. And these relationships are essential to our growth, our development, our productivity. Therefore, choosing the right or wrong friends can be a, a, a matter of whether you're going to be a success and failure in this life. I'll go even further and say that choosing the right or wrong friends can be a matter of life and death. Yeah. 
The scriptures tell us that bad company corrupts good what? Morals. So we're very careful who we choose as friends. So the title today is The Anatomy of True Friend. And so we want to look at that, and what I want to look at, I want to look at the heart of a true friend. I want to examine the mind, the feet, the mouth, the hands of a true friend. And there's no better place, and I, I challenge you on finding this uh, outside of our relationship with the Lord, is finding a better example of friendship in the Bible than Jonathan and David. So if you have your Bibles, you can open it up to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 18. 1 Samuel chapter 18. And at this point, David had slayed Goliath in chapter 17. So he's having this conversation with the king. The king is inquiring to David, like, where are you from? Who, who are your people? And, and all of that information that he was getting about David at that point. And the text goes on to read in chapter 18, verse 1, it says, When David had finished speaking with Saul, Jonathan was bound to David in close friendship and loved him as much as he loved himself. Saul kept David uh, with him from that day on and did not let him return to his father's house. That, that, that Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as much as himself. Mm -hmm. Bible repeats that we want to pay attention to it. Then Jonathan removed his robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his military tonic, his sword, his bow, and his belt. David marched out with the army and was successful in everything Saul sent him to do. Saul put him in command of the fighting men, which pleased all the people and Saul's servants as well. As the troops were coming back when David was returning from killing the Philistine, the women came from all the cities of Israel to meet King Saul, singing and dancing with tambourines, with shouts of joy, and with three-string instruments as they danced, the women sang, Saul killed his thousand, but David tens of thousands. Saul was furious and resented this song. They credited ten thousands to David, he complained, but only credited me with thousands. What more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul watched David jealously for that day forward. Mm -hmm. Those few verses there kind of sums up what's going to happen in the next few chapters here. Now, for the sake of time, we don't have I don't, we don't have the time to get into all the details here, but I want to pull out these points in regards to examining the first piece is the heart of a friend. I want to go back to verse one. It says, "When Saul had, when David had finished speaking with Saul, Jonathan bound to David in close friendship. So they were pretty close. And here's the key thing: He says, and loved him as much as himself. And then if you jump down to verse three, it says, Jonathan made a covenant with David because he what? He loved him as much as himself. So when we look at the heart of a true friend, uh, the key is going to be that the glue that's going to hold that relationship together is love. love. Now see, this isn't a love. That, that word is kind of thrown about all kind of places. We say we love everything. I love pizza. I love golf. I love this. I love that. No, this is a different kind of love. Yeah. These brothers were bonded and if they, this love was, they were one soul. 
They were, these were, they were as tight as you can get. I would classify this type of love as being agape love. Yes. It's an unconditional love that it's not going to be predicated on whether you do something or say something to keep that love flowing uh, uh, to that recipient. You know, oftentimes we say stuff to somebody, they get upset and they, man, they don't want nothing in that love. They take that love back. They never really loved you in the first place. Well. That wasn't the love that was, that was between Jonathan and David. I will classify it again as agape love. And then if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Corinthians 13. Real quick. Because the, if, you, if you read 1 Corinthians 13, uh, verses 4 through 8, it said, you all probably know it already and can recite it. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It's not boastful. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not irritable and does not keep a record of wrongs. Yes. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. If you take that verse and you, you overlay it onto the story of Jonathan and David, you'll see these very tentacles of this verse will just, just ring out. Bing, bing, bing. They're hitting every point in this relationship between Jonathan and David. And I want to tell you, when you're in, you look at the heart of a true friend, um, that love is going to make you comfortable with sacrifice. Amen. I can guarantee you at some point in your friendship that you're going to have to sacrifice something. Oh, yeah. That something might be uh, time, uh, 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 money, other resources, whatever it takes to minister to your friend. And you're going to be comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. You're going to be comfortable with, with understanding that, man, I have to put my needs on the back burner to meet my friend's need because of the love that you have for him. And this is the love that was apparent uh, uh, between Jonathan and David. Amen. Do you all have friends like that? Mm. That have hearts <laughs> with that kind of love? <laughs> Y'all kind of quiet this morning. <laughs> Let me keep going. Let me keep going. So we want to we be able to uh, be comfortable with the very fact that you might have to put your needs on the back burner in order to meet of your friend. Yeah. Then we want to look at the mind of a true friend. You see, the mind of a true friend is going to always be thinking about being a blessing to you. Oh, yeah. And we see that in, in verse 4. We jump down to verse 4. It says, Then Jonathan removed his robe that he was wearing and gave it to David along with his military tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt. Now, I don't want to get into a debate about this, but I'm reading the commentaries and it was talking about that uh, Jonathan was bestowing uh, his princely uh, privileges onto David at that point. That's not where I'm going with this, because we can debate that all day. My point is, is that it was clear that Jonathan was being a blessing to his friend. He was trying to bless his friend. And this is what a true friend is going to be thinking about, ways that they can bless you. Oh, yeah. Do you have friends like that? I do. I think about Roland Craig and Roland live, Roland and Hope lives next to a golf course. And they know I golf. And Roland goes out as he's doing his work and he's out in the yard, he'll pick up golf balls. And every week or so, I'll get a bag of golf balls on my front porch from Roland Craig. Amen. And he doesn't know this, but that ministers to me. Amen. That ministers to me because that tells me that Roland is thinking about me. Or either he's thinking my golf game is so bad, <laughs> I don't know if he's these balls and he's trying to help me out. Well, but a true friend, that mind is going to be geared towards always being 
blessing uh, to you. Yes, yes. A true friend is also not going to be envious. It would have been easy for Jonathan to, uh, uh, to look at David as a threat. Jonathan was the heir apparent to the throne. If something happened to King Saul, he would have taken his place. But we know that that wasn't in God's plan. Well, David had already been anointed to be the king, but that wasn't made public knowledge to this point. And so it would have been easy for as the success was happening with David, he got the, the ladies are, are smacking the tambourines and chanting that he's killed tens of thousands and all this stuff. It would have been easy for Jonathan because he was a warrior too. He was a warrior. He fought in his dad's army as well. And he was successful. So he said, man, this dude is coming getting all the praise and all his people. Everybody was excited. The servants and everybody loved David. But that wasn't how Jonathan looked at it. Jonathan looked at it. He was happy for his friend. And he was thinking about ways to minister and to bless David. Do you have friends like that? Are you a friend like that? I get Dr. Morrison calling me all the time and trying to figure out and help me with my, my health issues and everything. He'll see an article and send it to me and say, man, that is a friend looking at how he can be a blessing to me. I want to help you get over these issues. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Are you that type of friend? Do you have those types of friends in your life that are looking to be a blessing uh, to you? Amen. We also move on. We know that Saul eventually tries to kill David. He's jealous of David and tries to take him out. Mm -hmm. And here's where uh, it gets heavy. I want to jump over to chapter 19. And it says, Saul had done all these crazy things in trying to set David up to get the Philistines to kill David, but it didn't work because God's hand was on Amen. David. Amen. And we pick up in uh, chapter 19, verse 1. It says, Saul ordered his son Jonathan and all his servants to kill David. But Saul's son Jonathan loved David very much and he told him about it. Think about that. His dad puts a hit out on, on his best friend. What are you going to do? What are you going to do in that case? It's like a lot of people when things get hot, they get away from you. They don't remain loyal, but see what a true friend does, their feet are going to stay true and always be loyal to you. They're not going to run when things get hot. They're going to stand right there with you. Oh, yeah. And it would have been easy for Jonathan to say, man, my dad, hey, listen, he put this hit out on you. And man, he could have easily withdrew from David at that point. He didn't. He stayed with him. Not only did he stay with him, he told him the plan yeah. that his dad was like, he said, he's trying to kill you. And stuff. So he told him about this thing. Mm -hmm. And this wasn't, don't, don't overlook that because this was his dad and he was the king. And we, we, we'll see in the later chapters where his dad was so upset that he tried to kill him because he sided with David. I remember growing up, my mom always said that she drilled this into us. I mean, she would say this all the time. Son, blood is thicker than water. Blood is thicker than water. She always said that to me, and she was trying to say that family is, is above all. And if we was, if there was a fight with one savage out on the block, all the savages descended out. We got on that person like roaches on a french fry. We were all over. Everybody was on out there going crazy. It didn't matter if you were an enemy of one savage, you were an enemy 
of us all. Now I say that was the Cabrini Green savages. <laughs> now the new savages <laughs> got a little bit. Oh, still, I still got some of it in me. I ain't gonna lie. God is still working some things out. But see, what uh, oftentimes you find out who your friends are when things get hot. People get away from you. I know believers to this day in the Christian community that have tripped up and made mistakes. And everybody withdrew. Like, man, I got a friend who said, man, I have, I've known some of these guys for well over 20, 30 years. They don't even talk to me anymore because of a mistake I made. And I look at that and I say, I'm, I'm I'm more leaning toward, I know there are times when you withdraw from a person. If they're walking in sin and they refuse to, to turn back, there's time that you withdraw from that person. You continue to love them and pray for them, uh, but I'm always leaning towards grace. Because I remember where I was, and we're all a banana peel away from falling down. A banana peel away. And so I look at that, it's like, man, a lot of people will, will, will as, as soon as things get heavy, you make one mistake, they're going to forget all the stuff that you did before. That's true. And they're going to get, I, I ain't going to touch that guy. Pastor have a lie? Pastor like, hey man, just preach the word. But we live in this cancel culture. You even see it with these entertainers. They say something to offend a certain group. They lose sponsorships. I think about Colin Kaepernick. That brother hasn't worked as a quarterback in the NFL for, for years now, all because he decided to take a stand. He lost a lot of friends along the way. People withdrew. He lost a lot of money. I'm pretty sure he's made some of that money back in these, these past few years. But my point is, is that when things get tough, people withdraw. You find out who your friends are when you're in the midst of your messiness. You will find out who your friends are. Repeat, turn to your, your neighbor and tell them. You will find out who your friends are in the midst of your messiness. That friendship is going to be tested. The text goes on to read as we look at verse 4, chapter 19. It says, Jonathan spoke well of David to his dad, his father Saul. He said to him, the king should not sin against his servant David. He hasn't sinned against you. In fact, all his actions have been a great advantage to you. He took his life in his hands when he struck down the Philistine, and the Lord brought about a great victory for all of Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. So why would you sin against innocent blood by killing David for no reason? When you look at the mouth of a true friend, they will testify to your character when you can't. Mm -hmm. They will testify to your character when you can't. Some of y'all got a blank look. Let me, let, me, let me explain it a little bit further to you. There's been times when you've been in the presence of an individual that was bad-mouthing one of your friends. Mm -hmm. What did you do? <clears throat> Some of us joined in. speaks volumes. You see what a true friend is going to do, they're going to champion you. There was a, um, a complaint from a technician to our HR department, head of our HR department when I was working at Anderson. And this, this person said um, they, that, that I was a horrible manager, that I, was, I cursed them out, I yelled at them, I did all this stuff, right? And so 
they, he lost his, his case by saying that I cursed him out and I yelled at him. Because the HR lady, she said, I've known Brandon for over 12 years. I've never heard him curse. I, in fact, I've never heard him yell. She said, are you sure that's what happened? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He's like, did he start backpacking? She said, oh, never mind. He, 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 I'll never, just forget I even called and stuff. So then she was testifying to my character. This is what Jonathan did on David's behalf. He's going to testify to your character. You also look at um, a true friend and look at their mouth. They're going to speak the truth in love. love. They're going to always tell you the truth even when it's painful to hear. Yeah. How many of y'all have been there? Oh, yeah. Friends said something or you had to say something to a friend that, man, this is going to hurt their feelings, but I got to tell them gotta the truth. Love. That's what a true friend does. And we see that uh, in the text as we move on. We see it in the text. If we go over to chapter 20, David had to, uh, Jonathan had to deliver the news to David uh, because at that point, after chapter uh, 19, um, verse 6, Saul had agreed not to harm David. And we know Saul had lost his mind. Um, he wasn't a man of integrity at this point. The Lord had removed his hand off of him, so he was struggling. And he had already been notified by Samuel that he wasn't going to be the king anymore. And so he was out of his mind. So he went back on his word and tried to uh, set up to have David killed again after he agreed not to pardon him. And so in chapter 20, David comes to um, Jonathan and is like, hey, your dad tripping again. He tried to, he said, the word is he tried to take me out. And Jonathan's like, no, no, my dad, I, he would have told me about it if there was something uh, going on. I would know. He said, no, nah, he already know we boys. He tried to keep this from you and stuff. And so uh, uh, Jonathan said, well, let me, let me dig into this thing. Let me dig into this thing. And Jonathan had to come back and say, you know what, you're right. My dad is tripping. He is trying to take you out. And that was some hard news to deliver because at that point, that meant that David had to go on the run. And see, these were two friends. They were boys. They were tight. They, were, uh, they enjoyed each other's company and everything and fellowship. And they knew that at this point, life would never be the same. And he had to deliver that hard news to his friend. And then I look at, as we move on through the chapter, the hands of a true friend will follow through on their promises. The hands of a true friend will follow through on their promises. You know, they actually made a covenant. When you look at verse 14 in chapter 20, they made a covenant. He says, uh, this is what Jonathan says, if I continue to live, show me kindness from the Lord. But if I die, don't withdraw your kindness from my household. Then we go over to Verse 42, after this thing is coming to a head, Jonathan says to David, go in assurance that the two of us are pledged in the name of the Lord when he said the Lord will be a witness between you and me and between my offspring and yours forever. Yeah. They made a covenant with one another. They made a promise. And you used to, your word meant a whole lot. If you extended your hand and shook hand, you knew that your friend, you got individuals that if they tell you they're going to do something, they're going to do it. That's right. 
You don't have to think about it. It's money in the bank. Do you have friends like that? Yeah, yeah. Are you a friend like that? <laughs> you say you're going to do it, you do it. They have made a covenant with one another and extended this hand. They're going to do everything. A true friend is going to do everything they can to follow through on that promise. And we see this manifested later on in 2 Samuel, where we know that Saul was slain on Mount Gilboa alone with all his son, sons, his men. They were slain, and in great haste, uh, Jonathan's son's nurse uh, picked him up, fell and tripped. He fell and was crippled. And so he was the only one that was left from the house of Saul. And so as, as David takes the throne, he remembers, he says, man, is there anybody left from the house of Saul? He remembered the covenant, the promise that he made to his friend. And he said, is there anybody left? The word came back from one of Saul's servants, and he said, yeah, that's uh, Jonathan's son, uh, Mephibosheth. He's, he's, in, he's in a place called Lodabar. David said, bring him to me. David gave Mephibosheth, say that three times. He gave him all of Saul's land. Gave him his land, uh, blessed his family, gave him servants, and he ate at the king's table for the rest of his life. He didn't go back. He ate at the king's table for the rest of his life. And I look at that and I say, man, why? He followed through on his promise. That's what a true friend does. If they tell you they're going to do something, they're going to do it. I think about that. I got a good friend by the name of Jerry Thornton. Yes. He made a promise to my mom that he would look after me. And I kind of hung with him and his brother in the neighborhood. They were big football playing dudes. And so I kind of hung with them all the time. And I would cause trouble. And then I would run behind them and be like, what, 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 what y'all going to do? Because they had to get through those guys in order to get to me. But then I had a problem. Because Jerry went off to college. And so he wouldn't be able to be my protector like that anymore. So I had to kind of lay a little low. And so I got into, to make a long story short, I got into a situation at school. I was what you would call a victim of circumstance. I got drawn into a fight that was no doing on my own. And um, things went crazy. And so I left and I knew that I would have to face these guys the next day. So being from Cabrini Green and how we do it, we come up with a plan on how we're going to deal with our people, you know, that we don't have, we have disagreements with. And so I got my plan together and I'm in the room and I don't know, if, I don't know how my mom got wind of this. And she was like, um, she unbeknownst to me, she called Jerry. Well, Jerry's playing football at Western Michigan. He's got football practice, he's got classes, work study, all kinds of things going on. And she said, Jerry, I need you. He, this boy is about to do something stupid. And so Jerry dropped everything that he was doing, jumped in his car, drove to my house. Amen. Well, unbeknownst to him, I left early. I, was, I left early to, to get the jump on these guys. So I'm sitting in the lunchroom, um, and Jerry comes walking through the door. Wow. And I'm like, man, what, what are you doing here? What are you doing? He said, man. P.I., that's what they called me back then. P.I. said, P.I., you can't, you can't go out like this. You've come too far. You can't not do this thing. I said, no, man, I ain't no punk. I ain't no punk. These dudes did this. He said, you cannot do this. And he stood right there. He said, well, what you going to do? I said, I'm going to fight. And he was like, well, I'm fighting too. 
I was like, well, I, I can't, I can't let you let you do that. And he was eventually able to talk me down. Amen. And I think about that, and I was like, man, this dude went through great lengths to minister and keep a promise that he made to my mom mm -hmm. that he would look after me. Amen. And he's kept that promise to this day. That's what true friends do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. And I shudder to think what would have happened had he not shown up. I might not be standing here today had he not shown up. All because of my friend, Jerry Thornton, and God using him in my life. Amen. As we get ready to bring this thing to a close, some of you young people are out there, and you're, you're in the process of choosing your friends. Some adults here are um, kind of sour. You've been disappointed. You've been uh, uh, betrayed by some of your friends. You've cut them loose. You said, man, I don't want to deal with people anymore. I'm tired of this. I'm here to tell you that's not what God designed for us. Uh, he designed for us to uh, not be lone rangers. He's designed for us to be in close relationships with friends. That's how he's a relational God. And we're created in his image. So it's important that we acknowledge that, that we need one another. And as we look at Ecclesiastes 9, 4, 9 and 12, it reads this to kind of put this in perspective in regards to our need for friends. It says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. For if either falls, his companion can lift them up. Pity the one who falls without another to lift them up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? If someone overpowers one, two can resist. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Our earthly friendships are important, right? But I'm telling you, our friendship with God is much more important because it has eternal significance. And the scriptures tell us in John 15, it says, no one has greater love than this than to lay down his life for his friends. This is what Jesus Christ did for us. His blood was shed on that cross at Calvary so we can have the opportunity to reposition ourselves from being an enemy of God to now to be a friend of God. And uh, you have to make the choice. You still have to choose. And it's simply repenting and saying, I'm going to trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior. There might be somebody here today, somebody listening on Zoom that might need to do that. I want to pray for you all. Um, in regards to uh, relationships, friendships, this COVID period has uh, heightened uh, for me this my sensitivity in regards to friendships, having people around to check on you and encourage you to walk with you during these uh, these last few years. It's been tough. Yeah. Being isolated. Yeah. We need one another. Yeah, yeah. The scriptures tell us that iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We need that contact. We need to be in fellowship. That's right. I look forward to the day that we can all be back in church like, on the regular. Hallelujah. You know, normally everything kind of, you know, Pastor says it's going to be a new normal. Yeah. I look forward to that. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, Thank you for your word. Thank you for the example uh, of 
Jonathan and David and their relationship. Lord, may we examine ourselves to, to see if we meet that criteria. Do we have the heart, the mind, the hands, the feet, the mouth of a true friend? And help us to examine those that we are in relationships with. We might need to make some readjustments. Not that you cut the person off, but they might have to, you might have to take that title back, my true friend. You still love them, you still pray for them, but there might be some adjustments that need to be made. I pray for our young people especially because they're going to be choosing friendships, um, developing friendships, Lord, that will benefit them for the rest of their lives. It's not by accident that these paths cross. It's all a part of your sovereign plan. And so, Lord, I lift them up to be wise in how they choose, knowing that it can be a matter of life and death, their successes and failures. I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.